Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, the Wiki Comic Book Podcast. It's a, it's a hard sentence <laughs> to say, apparently. I uh, recorded every single week from King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And one of us has only read six, a mere 16 Whoa. comic books this week because they were on holiday. What a loser. I would hate to be that jerk. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I went and soaked up that sun instead of uh, reading those books. <laughs> That's, that seems fair That seems fine I guess I'll allow it This one time and my, I read like everything guys My plan was to then come In to Kings very early today And then just like Just spend the entire day reading But uh, Life got in the way Would you believe Guys life is crazy And uh, so I, I got two hours And I managed to read 16 books But uh, knowing that this may, may May be a thing that might happen uh, I, I read a, a manga A couple weeks ago Nice uh, Called My Brother's Husband and uh, lent it to Siobhan last week, and we're going to review that in depth after last week's comic book reviews. So, yep, which I'm really got, looking forward to. We've still got an action-packed show for you, everybody. Reviews from uh, DC's books from last week, Marvel, Image, a couple of IDW ones as well, mm-hmm. and, uh, Archie, all the, all the good stuff. Um, and we're going to kick it off with the segment that kicks off every single show, um, and that is, see, it's called First Things First. <laughs> <laughs> Lemons is still on holiday. I am. I'm just thinking about those waves. Um uh, yeah, we, we review all of the number one issues that came out last week and I'll let you know which are the ones that you should pick up and read too. And, uh, oh boy, I only read three. How many did you read, Siobhan? I read, I read five. I read five number ones. Wow, you had an entire five more days and you only <laughs> managed to read <laughs> two think, more number ones. I think ones. that was all of them though. <laughs> no, you didn't read the Star Trek number one, oh, but yeah, I was but very happy to not have to read this week. I absolutely, oh, is that the one? Oh, I kind of did want to read that because that's the one based around like, I know nothing about Star Trek. I've never watched any Star Trek. Um, but like, this is the Mirror Universe one right. where they're all just evil because they have facial hair or they have facial hair and are evil. And that's, anyway, whatever. Well, every, everyone it. knows that that's how you. That's how like, you tell. That's how, how you tell, tell which one's evil. evil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's kick off with another bunch of number ones from Marvel. Good Lord. Talk about, we want to talk about Luke Cage or Generation X first. Uh, let's talk about Luke Cage first. So this is uh, the new title. By uh, one of our favorite writers, I guess, since we started mm-hmm. the podcast, David F. Walker. Um, and he was most recently on the Luke Cage, sorry, Power Man and Iron Fist run mm-hmm. with Sanford Green on art, which we loved. Um, one of my favorite books from the last year. 
and uh, was very bummed to hear that that, that title would be ending. Um, Iron Fist can now be read in a much more kind of generic kung fu book um, that uh, Ed Brisson is writing. Uh, and uh, Power Man, aka Luke Cage, is getting his own. This is his own series written by David Walker. So at least I thought we would get like a continuation of that of those themes, that kind of vibe that we saw in Power Man and Iron Fist um, carried on over to this series. So my hope was not lost. Uh, art on this one is uh, by somebody called... Nelson Blake II. Wasn't he an Oh Brother were out there? No, uh, yeah, uh, I think so. No, that's Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> um, no, but he has recently worked on um, the Romulus series oh, from cool. Image, which I actually really liked. And it's cool because I think could be totally wrong i'm just trying to look it up now but i'm pretty sure he is a um he's an african-american man also so that's nice to have two african-american men working on the book yeah definitely um and it, it definitely we, we if, you, if you start at the like by reading this like a manga and read the final page first you will see a letter from david f walker that kind of uh basically takes a straw down memory lane and talks about the first time he and his brother uh read a luke cage power man comic issue number 37 in virginia that they bought from a 7-eleven um, and uh, it's cool, you know. He clearly has a lot of history with this character, and it's cool that he gets to continue writing him. Absolutely, this is, uh, I guess, more personal than the Power Man and Iron Fist book, where that was much more a straight-up comedy book. This is a bit more, um, a bit more serious, I guess. Yeah, more of a serious side of Luke for the first issue, for sure. I um, really loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was a bit worried though at first because this is another case of it seeming a lot more in line with the television version of Luke Cage than the. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty serious bro. Yeah, very, very serious. Um, and they've also de-aged him quite a few years as well. He's all, But he's not as, like, wooden and unlikable as the Luke Cage from the TV series. He's, oh, I find that actor... <laughs> the actor's likable, but it's the, the rest of the show that it isn't. I didn't like him. But How many episodes did you watch? Like, I, I got up to um, the point where Cottonmouth died, and I was like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> You just spoiled it for me. I haven't gotten up that oh, far. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Got further than you. Marvel, Marvel's like, hey, we could, we could grow this villain into someone that people like. Oh, we could just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this book, uh, Luke Cage, number one, um, which just came out last week, uh, is basically kind of uh, all about Luke Cage. Uh, and reconnecting with the, uh, the the way he got his powers, mm-hmm. his, his unbreakable skin. Um, and this is a p- area in Marvel Comics that I'm actually not that familiar with. No, I really don't know anything about um, this area of his Luke's history, story. so I'm really excited to find out more about it. And I really love the art in this book. Yeah, I thought it was um, good, but I, I guess it, it's so straight after Sanford Green's yeah, this is a much more like handsome version of Luke. Yeah, to me, this kind of looks like the art that they give to the um, the weird tie-in advertisements that you see in Marvel comics sometimes, where it's like Luke Cage is like, "Hey, you should use these razors," <laughs> which isn't to say it's bad. It's just no. very, it's just very very straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, I guess uh, it's entirely competent though. Um, but yeah, look, I. Uh, this story delves into his origin story and we learn that um, the man who gave him his powers has uh, commit suicide. And so he travels to New Orleans to uh, go to the funeral and uh, we learn that there have been uh, multiple attempts um, to recreate the experiments that he did on Luke Cage on different um, other subjects and um, some of them had terrible things happen to them. Some of them have done terrible things with their powers. And... This uh, there's a there's a big mystery at play at the end of this uh, issue. Um, someone that I guess plays a big part in, in Luke Cage's history uh, saves Luke Cage. 
was good. It's a cool little setup. I'm definitely, I'm definitely hooked, um, I'll, and I'll be coming back to read issue two. Yep, agreed. Generation X is the latest X-Men book in a seemingly never-ending new run of X-Men books that Marvel are pumping out now that will reach 12 issues at most and then will be relaunched with another seemingly never-ending list of new X-Men books. Hooray! I love comic <laughs> books. Uh, this is by a, uh, a creative team that uh, is entirely new to me. Christina Strain is the writer. Um, art is by Amilcar Pinner and uh, colours by Philippe Sobrero. Um, this is basically a team that will be led by Jubilee, uh, which features a lot of younger mutants, um, most of which I'm not familiar with at all. Um, the ones who I am are Qu- Quentin Quires in this group, uh, and iBoy. <laughs> uh, but then there's someone called Bling, Nature Girl, Morph, and Hindsight. I was very excited at the beginning of this issue to see the return of um, Chamber, yep. who is the X-Men with the, the face of fire. Um, it's I've, great power. Yeah, I've been rereading um, uh, Cy Spurrier's uh, incredible X-Men Legacy run, which oh, was all nice. about Legion recently, and uh, he, he plays Chambers used to great effect in that. I also like seeing um, Brew. I love Brew. Yep. Brew's one of my personal faves. Brew is and, one, of the, um, one of the Brood members who was in uh, Jason Aaron's X-Men, Wolverine in the X-Men run. And Glob Herman, who's someone who I yep. don't really understand why I like him, and I think it's 90% because his name is Glob Herman. Oh yeah, it looks like all those kind of recognizable characters are just going to be like weird little guys that have like one line per per, per issue yeah, in the back I'm of a panel it. somewhere. But that's fine. I love that these that there are so many mutants that just seemingly never grow old enough to become heroes. Yeah, totally. And Quinn Aquire is definitely like the king of them. Yeah, totally. He's been a student for a billion years. Let him let him age, guys. Um, this has an incredible car- cover by Terry Dodson, mm-hmm. and uh, the art by Amal Carpina is uh, is different, but. Still pretty good. I like. I really like yeah, it. Yeah. It's really like really weird sort of camera angles. Everything's either from like above or below, and like quite sort of interesting faces. I really liked it. Um, this suffers, I think, from like the same thing that the other X Men titles in that it's like again, it's a rehashing of a very very familiar X villain. So this is like the purifiers again, who are sort of like religious zealots. Well, I mean, yeah, but. We don't get so basically what what, what this is like. This is it's this new students' first day on the campus, mm-hmm. Classic. and um, all this crazy bullshit goes down because Quentin Quire's boots get scuffed, which is all very amusing. Well, that's well, there's some there's some great funny dialogue about Quentin yeah. Quire's I shoes. I would never have thought that Quentin Quire like. I'm probably wrong on this, but I didn't think that was a thing about Quentin Quire that he was like, oh, I must have ten thousand dollar brogues. I didn't think. I thought he was more like anti-establishment. I think yeah. I, I think depends. depending on the Who's on the writing, writer, yeah, 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 he's either like a real just, snobby yeah. guy or is a completely he's just anti-establishment a guy. Also, I don't know if this is because it, it flashes back to at one point, and um, you know, we, we made a joke, we, we referenced that he used to wear a, a t-shirt that said Magneto was right, mm-hmm. but in this one, he's wearing one that says Magneto was left. Yeah, I really like that yeah, as well. <laughs> <laughs> if someone did like a just a little capsule collection of all of Quentin Quire's t-shirts, I would wear them. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so it's like this first day, it's like really great, you know, like teen drama with vague superpowers for, for mm. the first, like, honestly, it, uh, the first 20 of 22 pages or however many com- the pages are of this comic. And then on the second last page, suddenly we hear Jubilee, look out. And then it is the purifiers who have got guns and they shall purge the earth of the mutant plague. Yeah, I kind of would have just don't don't give me conflict in this issue. Yeah, I was kind you of like, didn't need it. Just build all these characters up, and then like you know, the promise of new adventures, new adventures is uh, all I need to continue. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm still going to stick with it. This is a cool, cool creative team. I think so. Yeah, I'll give it another couple of issues. 
Um, and I haven't, I haven't dropped it on any, even though I've said I've dropped, I'll drop all the other X-Men books. I'm still reading them all. So go figure. <laughs> um, cool. So that was, uh, Marvel's number one this week. Um, mm-hmm. we got one from image that we both read and this is uh, one by Jim Marfood, um, who is a, uh, you, an old self-published kind of comic zine dude that I actually used to buy the comics of in the 90s. Amazing. And in fact, so this book, this new one out is called Girl Scouts Magic Socks, G-R-R-L-L, Girl Scouts. Um, and this is a continuation of one of his his kind of properties that he started in the um, in the late 90s. Um, he, he originally was just called Girl Scouts, and then he got sued by the Girl Scouts. We got threatened to be sued by the <laughs> really? cease and desist, yeah, by the, wow. by the Girl Scouts of America. And so he uh, swapped the I for an R, and so it's Girl Scouts. Way cooler also that way. Um, and I used to buy these comics, and I, I, I learned reading this issue that it was actually Image that put, that out, put them out. Yeah. So they were probably my first Image comics when I was a kid. Um, Image put out these comics in the early 2000s, um, and I read them knowing that they were kind of shit, but I still really enjoyed his art. Mm-hmm. Um, his art has gotten way z- zanier. And his writing has gotten so much worse, in my opinion. I, oh, really? I, I thought this was an amazing book to look at with uh, fantastic colors by Justin Stewart. Um, but I, I thought the by the end, I just wasn't even reading the panels. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's definitely a much um, uh, like, I mean, at the beginning of it, there's a little um, strip that's like pretty much just says like. Light up a joint and read this comic. Blaze one and enjoy this comic, yeah. y'all. Um, which gives you the kind of like a vibe of what he's going for. And it's very sort of like narrative isn't a strong um, yeah. focus in this. A little comic. bit of serious issues trivia. Um, I had to fight like hand and fist because Siobhan wanted to start every issue with Blaze one and enjoy the podcast. Look, that's. That was, that was, she wanted that to be her catchphrase. <laughs> it's something I feel really strongly about, guys. <laughs> Um. Yeah, there was a lot of like uh, stuff in this that I didn't heaps understand. Like, it took me ages to realize that this girl was killing people with an app from her phone. Yeah, even though it sort of said app, but it was a bit like power app. I didn't heaps understand. Um, but I didn't heaps care either. Like, this was just a fun, amazing to look at, super nuts, super like drug fueled comic and I, I sort of was into it yeah and like his Jim Marfood's like biggest inspiration is Tank Girl and uh, this absolutely feels like something that's been influenced by Tank Girl yeah um, if you are a massive fan of like the kind of more exploitative uh, elements of someone like Brandon, Graham, Brandon Graham's mm-hmm. comics this is definitely uh, one that you should maybe check out um, the dialogue and the writing really annoyed me but the art um, overjoyed me <laughs> there you go yeah one of the rap. characters the who's like today. heaps um off her face the whole time was like I didn't I didn't understand I didn't understand what that was about it's insane to me that this is an image comic yeah it really feels like something that Titan or it feels like something self-published yeah yeah definitely but Jim Marfood has a big enough name to be able to kind of do yeah I mean usually you just kind of see him do variants on other books and he he seems to be like a fairly well-liked creator Mm. by other creators that I like Um, and which is always funny to me because I used to it used to be this kind of like you know I know I have a bunch of his comics and I know I I did I knew while reading them that I I was like these are probably aren't great but I I still (laughs) enjoy reading them Um, there's a if you want to check it out that they've made like a YouTube like real life version of the Girl Scouts you can check out youtube.com slash girl scouts and uh oh boy looks like they really missed the mark on this one <laughs> well it's great um i the one i picked up has a um variant cover by scotty young and i always think of scotty young as like the kind of all ages friendly version of jim marfood or jim marfood is the dirty version of um scotty yeah. young they have a similar sort of zany vibe 
Um, yeah, are you gonna I'm probably gonna. Yeah, I'm probably gonna still read it. It's no. the kind of trash that I like. <laughs> I got the Spawn variant. I just realised so many, so many <laughs> comics I got this week had Spawn variants. Yeah, Jim was gonna try and make us read because um, it's like some anniversary of Spawn. He was going to try and make us read all these books. Twenty fifth, and I just refused. You know how it's written on every single image. I don't book at the know. Twenty fifth is well, the twenty fifth anniversary of Image. I didn't realize it was twenty fifth anniversary of Spawn. Whatever. Um, so I read two more number ones. Mm-hmm. I read uh, Sovereigns number one from Dynamite. This is one we got a preview of a little while ago, or that that issue zero that was like twenty five cents. Yeah, that's right, and it was like quite intriguing. Um, a pretty good creative team too. Yeah. Right? So this is written by Ray Fox um, with art by Johnny. Desjardins. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, and then a backup story about Magnus, written by Kyle H- Higgins, with art by George Fornes. Jorge also Fornes. nailed it. <laughs> um, this is sort of like a confusing time travel backwards and forwards story featuring all those dynamite, um, like classic dynamite characters. So, like, Magnus, robot guy, Turok, son of whatever, Dr. Spectre, all those bros. Are they classic Dynamite characters? I think it is classic, classic kind of classic-ish characters that Dynamite have the license for this year. If that's not classic, I don't know <laughs> what is. Um, but this is actually pretty good fun. In a, like, I don't know much about these characters. I don't know much about their histories, but I think they do a really good job of um, kind of introing you to them in a sort of gentle fun way um sets up a really cool mystery i really liked it as an issue one i th- think this is solid i'm going to keep reading it right and i also read issue one of bubble gun by mark roslin and with art by angel tovar and this is an aspen book an aspen comics book these guys are responsible for uh um mostly sexy comics what was the one that we read recently the the like Fathom. Fathom, yeah. Stuff yeah, like that. Right. Um, so this is like the second volume of this series. I feel like I read the first issue of the original series and I didn't understand and I stopped reading it. Um, I really like the art on this. It's quite sort of bubblegum colours and cute faces and it's all quite sort of pretty and vaguely... Uh, oh, man, the art is great. Manga-ish. Yeah, like it's really lovely to look at. And this is about um, some sisters who are sort of, I guess, kind of like they they have a ship and they run stuff throughout the galaxy. Um, And now they're being, they've been blackmailed into working for someone evil. And so they're having to do all these sort of illegal things and they don't want to because they're actually really good guys. And this is some fairly exploitative art. Like it's the kind of thing where you'll get a panel of someone uh, talking to someone else and they'll just be like, it'll be shot from behind and you'll get like, a really close-up picture of their butt yep. for no reason. Um, and that's fine. Like I'm I, I was just about to say, this is easily the best uh, artwork that I've seen in an Aspen book. And then, you, <laughs> yeah. and then you would have said that straight away and I felt like a big perv. But it doesn't, it's, it's not good. bad. It's they're nicely drawn butts. And there's some really interesting panel work um, and it's pretty good fun. But the story didn't heaps grab me. I didn't really love it. It's quite wordy um, the whole way through. And it was also just a little bit confusing. I think when something's number one, you need to do a little bit more effort to kind of um, introduce new readers to the world. And I didn't really feel like I I understood what this world was. Um, but I didn't hate it by any means. Francis Manapool says, Bombastic and fun as heck. <laughs> Siobhan Coombs says, It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. This is why you don't get uh, quotes on the front on, on the front of number ones. I need to on. be more bombastic. No, no, not bombastic, bombastic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, those are the number yeah, ones probably. we read this week. Although yeah. not number ones that Siobhan read, and I read some of them. Yeah. Uh, an ongoing theme for the rest of this episode. Get prepared to hear my voice and my rambly um, explanations of things that happened in comics. 
so now we're going to play a beloved segment uh, by all. Uh, it is called Flip the Dice or Roll the Dice. I can't remember what it's called. Roll the Dice for... I've, I've been away for five days and I've forgotten <laughs> the way everything works. Roll the Dice for Image, Marvel or DC. Uh, I've got a dice in front of me. One to two is Image. Three to four is Marvel. Five to six is DC. Five first, DC, which is great because I read lots of DC books and they're all very good. Nice. So DC first and then Image and then Marvel. Cool. Nice. Uh, so let's kick things off with DC um, with a surprise, like one of the best comics I've read in a while. Mm-hmm. Certainly the best Batman book I've read in a while, and that is Batman issue 23. Um, I was excited to read Flash number 22 mm-hmm. first because it was the finale of The Button. Uh, but uh, something happened and I, I, I just saw that this is called The Brave and the Mold. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which is unbelievable. Um, <laughs> issue 23, written by Tom King with art by Mitch Gerrards. He's collaborator on uh, that great Vertigo book, Sheriff, Sheriff of Babylon. Babylon. And uh, recently they did that Catwoman uh, two-issue thing in, in this Batman run. Um, and Batman's this Batman run that Tom King ha- is the is the writer on has been patchy. Um, it's been all over the place kind of genre-wise. Uh, and, and he definitely, like, yeah, like... It, new arcs feel completely different from the last ones, even though there are kind of threads from each one carrying over to the next. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely overall. I think there are moments, like, you know, issues that will end that I'll be like, huh. And then mm. I'll read the next one, I'll be like, oh, wait, that was great. That was yeah. awesome. Um, but uh, this was easily, for me, like the best issue of of Batman that Tom King has done so far. Um, it is a, a team-up, Batman and the Swamp Thing, the Brave and the Mold. And uh, it is kind of divvied up into, into chapters. The first chapter we see uh, someone get assassinated mm-hmm. or just kind of shot point blank twice. In the face. Uh, and uh, while while investigating, um, doing some detective work, we see uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon. And there's a rock on the desk as they uh, investigate the body, go through the evidence. And the rock suddenly sprouts two hands and out pops Swamp Thing. And he reveals to... Uh, Commissioner Gordon, sorry, Commissioner Gordon, and uh, <laughs> and Batman that uh, that the, the dead body was in fact his father, and uh, then we get this brilliant team up mm. of of Batman and you know Swamp Thing, Batman, Bat- Batman, and and normally when you team up with superheroes, you're, you've got the same codes. Mm. Swamp Thing is not a superhero; he's like no. a weird being that I guess that you know he he protects his realm, and uh, he but he does it his own way, and he doesn't really play by anyone else's rules. Uh, and there's like there are comedy moments in this where like you know Alfred trying to clean up all the goop that Swamp Thing leaves around the the uh, the Wayne Mansion. I like the moment where they're in the um, the Batmobile together, and Swamp Thing says, "Why do you need a car?" To Batman, and Batman says, "I don't know. Why do you need a body?" Yep, it was really good. So great. There's a Kite Man bit, which yep. I just love. That is the best ongoing joke in this run so far. <laughs> Constant appearances of of Kite Man saying, "Hell yeah." Um, there's a very fun, captivating mystery, which is introduced and wrapped up by the end of this issue in a really, really satisfying way. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this great, you know, more, more layers of, of Batman and, and parents. And, mm. you know, you, you think you've read everything you could possibly read in regards to those two subjects, but you know, Tom King adds another layer to it another really tragic kind of tie into, you know, Swamp Thing's father dies in the first page of this comic and Swamp Thing kind of review, like, you know, Views it as nothing changes, you know. He's 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 just simply returning to the green, and uh, as the book continues, we see him actually dealing with his emotions in a different way. And you know, he he, Batman at some after hearing that explanation of of why Swamp Thing isn't sad at the start of the issue, he 
I guess, you know, without actually out, out, outright saying it, he's kind of happy with that explanation because he realizes that his, his parents aren't dead. They're mm. just at one with the green. Mm. Um, and there's a brilliantly tragic moment at the end uh, where, where Swamp Thing changes his mind and, and loses his, his temper and uh, we suddenly see him, you know, release an outburst of emotion and, and disappear. And Batman has all these answers that he'll never... Well, you know, we'll never he he won't be able to get from Swamp Thing that that and and it just kind of ends. It ends brilliantly. It ends with with Batman yelling "coward" at a pile of dust on the ground where Swamp Thing once was. Really good, like such a tightly plotted issue and so beautifully realized by Mitch Jarrods. Like there are lots of um like nine panel uh, pages which are like used to incredible effect. He does a great Batman. He draws a great Swamp Thing. Like this was a really a really really great standalone issue and sometimes like these are my favorite batman stories like i sort of get really tired of long story arcs for batman and so when you can get just like one brilliant standalone issue in which he's just a detective that's kind of my favorite thing is it almost batman day again soon i have no idea they they keep changing it like wonder woman day changed this year because of to fit in with the movie more about that later guys um and I'm not sure when Batman Day is. Because we did a Batman special where we ran through all of our favorite Batman comics that people don't really, you know, aren't always in everyone's top tens. Mm. It would be fun to do like a best ever Batman one shots because there are so many good ones. Yeah, totally. That would be fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, this was probably my favorite thing that I read this week of the, of the, of the paltry 16 books that I read this <laughs> week. But, uh, man, uh, if you, uh, for whatever reason, gave up on this Tom King Batman run because mm. it, wasn't, it wasn't where you wanted it to be going... Uh, 100% if you're a Batman fan or a Swamp Thing fan, pick up this book because it is uh, it's a it's a 10 out of 10 from me. Absolutely. Wayne from Kings who is not who is <laughs> not a Batman fan actively does not like Batman as a character. Oh yeah, that's right. Was uh, thought that this was the best comic of last week as well. So <laughs> <laughs> He act- actively is a Swamp Thing ca- uh, fan apparently. Yes, he does love Swamp Thing. Um, but yeah, it was a great issue. Really really great standalone issue. So great. Uh, you can hear infuriating things that Wayne said about Batman in that uh, aforementioned Batman issue, <laughs> Batman episode from last year. Um, oh, 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 we mentioned it earlier, and the number twenty-two issue of uh, Flash this week wrapped up the button. Um, okay, this is actually like lenticular covers and everything are silly, but this is a great cover. This saying, is such a fun I was cover. Saying to Scott when I, I picked it, it up from him at Kings, um, this was easily the best of the uh, the lenticular covers that came out for this event, mini event, whatever it is, crossover. Yep. Um, such a good cover. It's it's, it's what is it, the original. An original uh, issue of Flash with the um, Jay Garrick Flash, yeah, classic and, Golden Age Flash, and then and then bursting out. Oh, it's so good! It's a crankier, modern version of Jay Garrick. The weird thing I about these lenticular covers is that I can't, can't ever get them to freeze on one. Yeah, it's really hard trying to get a picture of them. Right, <laughs> life's hard. Um, but yeah, this is a sick, sick cover, and uh, the image, the, the book, uh, this. Uh, this book got way more cosmic and out there than I thought mm. it was going to. I guess when, when you see Batman involved, you normally think, oh, it's going to be pretty grounded. But, uh, this, but really this, is a, this is a flash book, so they're traveling through time and like traveling through the Speed Force. And uh, R.I.P. Siobhan's favorite character, the Cosmic Treadmill. <laughs> it didn't make it through. It, 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 it succumbed to the wrath of the button. I'll be back. They'll <laughs> be back. <laughs> kid, kid, cosmic tre- treadmill will be coming, making an appearance. Earth in, uh, two cosmic treadmill. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this kind of wrapped up this this crossover um, where with the last issue of of Batman saw them kind of traveling back from the Flashpoint universe mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of chasing Reverse Flash as as he chases towards his imminent death. And we in this we see Reverse Flash um, 
stare Dr. Manhattan, I guess that is, obviously, yeah. uh, in the eye before being disintegrated by him. Uh, and we hear, as they like desperately try and come back to their universe, we hear someone calling out, Barry, Barry, Barry. And it turns out to be Jay Garrick, um, the original Flash from the Golden Age. The one who has a dish on his head. And he's a great character. He is one of my all-time faves. I love the sort of JSA, Golden Age um, DC superheroes. So it's always lovely to see Jay. And that was one of the big things that the uh, DC Rebirth issue number one um, kind of promised would be the return of the JSA. Yeah, I'm interested to see because this looks like uh, um, the, the Jay that we see in this issue is older. Unlike the Jay who is in the Earth 2 series. So it's in, I'm interested to see whether we're getting those characters from the Earth 2 series crossing over into the main DC universe and that's what it's going to be. No or way. whether it's going to be older characters. It's definitely not going to be the Earth 2. I think it's going to be another case because Wally West wasn't on Earth 2. So this that's is definitely, definitely going to be the, the pre-New 52 DC universe. Mm, interesting. Coming back. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, this is a, a pretty confusing end. In, in a way, because it just kind of sets up all these different things that we know now will be uh, answered in the big Jeff Johns written um, event that was announced last week. Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock. I was like, I don't know. When this was first announced, I was like, I don't know if Jeff Johns is really the right person to write a Watchmen, um, like a book with the Watchmen characters. Like, I love I love early Jeff Johns. Like, his Teen Titans run is one of the things I've reread the most consistently comics-wise, and his JSA run, um, despite my boyfriend being like, do you really need all 12 volumes? I'm like, yes, I absolutely do, and I refuse <laughs> to throw them out. Um, but I, I just read an interview with him and what he's sort of like vaguely planning to do with it. And I think I'm on board. Yeah. Plus when he works with Gary Frank, he's so good. They're yeah. such good collaborators. That Batman Earth One series is great. Um, Gary Frank on art is, uh, is got me very excited too, because uh, you didn't see enough of him really. Yeah, absolutely. Apparently they're also working on volume three of, of uh, Batman Earth One. So uh, a lot, a lot from them in the next year. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a fun little crossover. And I, mm. and I, I think this, if this is the norm for DC, as far as events go, that this is cool. It is so refreshing. Like in in the same interview, Jeff John says that like Doomsday Clock is just going to be that one book. Like it's not going to cross over. It's not going to cross over into any other comics. Like you're not going to see Superman fighting Doctor Manhattan in fucking action comics or anything like that. It's just going to be this one book, which I think is like <laughs> that's so exciting. That's so thrilling for um for comic book fans and for retailers. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> um. So over to uh, Superman number twenty three. By uh, Peter Tomasi, Patrick Leeson, Doug Mankey. Um, this is the continuation of the Black Dawn storyline, which we now see was all a setup to reveal a new bad guy coming back from. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been used in Superman books in a long time. I don't uh, know who this guy is. So, have you ever read um, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way? I don't think I have. So, that is a, a, a Superman one shot from uh, the 2000s, mm-hmm. um, and it was a, an, an answer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fuck up some, some facts here, but nice. get, get used to it, guys. This is serious issues. <laughs> um, so it was an answer. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was an answer to um, Warren Ellis and The Authority because The Authority, which is a book that Warren Ellis wrote for, wrote for Wildstorm, mm-hmm. was about, you know, if you had the power of Superman, why would you just why would you not kill these people that so you could stop them from causing the crimes? And mm. so basically like they... they but, the authority would like you know superheroes who who killed their mm. their threats, um, and they did an answer to that in which a uh, a group 
what's so funny about the true justice in the American way is a, a group called the elite mm-hmm. show up and it's led by this guy, Manchester black, who is a very obvious like attempt at a, you know, like smoking wisecracking British guy that Warren Ellis writes so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester black leads a, leads a team of, of, uh, of enemies who kill. Right. And, um, it, it basically leads, um, uh, Superman to trick Manchester black into thinking that Superman has killed his entire team. Oh. And, uh, it's really, really fun. And they launched out of that, they launched Superman versus the elite. And, uh, it was like another team of like, yeah, like a bit, like a more badass kind of superhero team. Oh, Joe, it's called justice league elite. I can't remember. Look, I said, I would fuck some things up, but <laughs> I think flash and green arrow were on it. Like flash okay. is like a dot was it because he, because flash is so quick. Mm. He can be on both the justice league and justice league elite. And no mm. one noticed that he was on, that he was missing from either one. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Manchester Black um, is a uh, yeah, basically like someone. Like basically, if, if Warren Ellis was a superhero, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's who this guy is. And uh, we learn that he is behind all of the events that we've been seeing in the town of Hamilton County. Um, these last couple of issues of Superman. Yeah, uh, even though I didn't like that reveal, kind of wasn't a wasn't a huge reveal for me. I didn't really understand. I, I still love this book. Like it's such a, it's so. Um, <coughs> It's such a dark turn for this Superman book, which has been very like county fairs. And- Lois's leg gets fucking shot. Oh off. yeah, that was <laughs> that was the craziest thing. I was reading comics, and my boyfriend leaned over and was like, "How's comics?" And I was like, "Well, Lois Lane just lost her, uh, had her leg um, lasered off, so so great, yeah. excellent." <laughs> um, yeah, that was a nuts bit. I don't know what. I mean, cool. Lois yeah. has one leg now. I'm into it. Um, but it's like. It's still there's still a sense of like weird hope and all that kind of stuff through it, you know. Like I, that's obviously what the big fight at the core of this is, um, and I'm into it. I like it. Yeah, I love how like um, Lois loses her leg and the first thing she says is sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Classic sorry. woman. Stop apologizing for everything that we do. Um, so where Superman took a very dark turn this week, um, it was very fun to read that and then immediately go into the extremely lighthearted. And uh, non-stop fun of Super Sons, which is also written by Peter, Peter Tomasi, uh, features Superboy and Damian Wayne uh, teaming up um, with art by Jorge Jimenez. Phil Jimenez, sorry. Phil Jimenez. Oh, no, it's Jorge. Sorry. Too many Jimenez. Uh, Jorge Jimenez on like this one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, but uh, this is uh, yeah, the end of them kind of uh, teaming up with Lex Luthor to try and take down Kid Amazo. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I don't really like that. That that wrapped up really well. There are some amazing, just fun jokes. That their constant bickering between uh, Superboy and Damian Wayne and Lex Luthor mm-hmm. as well um, was a great foil to the two of them. Uh, it just never gets old. It doesn't get tired. Like no. the, this, like you know, these these two always arguing teens. Yeah, um, and it's so fun. And it's, it's it's just crazy because we read that Teen Titans issue last week, mm. where I just like I, I found Damian Wayne so annoying. And Damian's then, one of those characters that like it's a really fine line between like endearing and irritating. And Superboy is such a good foil to the most annoying sides of his character, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I really think I think my favorite joke from this was probably on the first page when um, both. Lois and Alfred discover that the boys um, individually have snuck out. And Alfred says, hmm, at least when Master Richard snuck out, he had the decency to construct a pillow dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That was really fun. And uh, if you liked that team up, or sorry, the, 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 the panels of Lois and Alfred together mm. on the first page, you'll love the final panel of this book, which is uh, they finally get back from their adventure. They, they sneak back into John Kent's room and who should be there but Lois and Alfred. 
which is ready, a team up that I would read. Ready for punishment. Yeah, totally. I would read the crap out of that. And uh, if you thought Brave and the Mold was the best, <laughs> the best take on Brave and the Bold, uh, the next the next issue of this arc is called Brave and the Bold. Amazing. Which must re- must surely respond refer to uh, Alfred's bald head. Or Lex Luthor's. Oh, that's possible. Too. I would assume that Lex is more, more yeah more notably bald. I think Alfred's just Alfred's hanging on. There. He's right. hanging on he to is. the last he's, couple. He's, he's definitely like like, like a, a wee comb over. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a great great week for uh, the regular DC books that I've mm-hmm. read. And before we move on to uh, Wildstorm and stuff like that, do you want to go through other DC books you read? Yeah. Um, so I read both both Nightwing and Teen Titans. Um, like, Nightwing sort of ties into what's going on with um, the sort of Teen Titans books at the moment. And it was sort of like a classic, like, oh, Wally and Dick are best friends. They're just going to hang out. And I was like, this is great. They're such wieners in this book. Um, <laughs> they both, like, this is not written by... Um, is Put it, that on a cover, DC. <laughs> this is written by um, Michael McMillan um, with art by Chris Deuce or Duce. Not quite sure. Um, with colors by Chris Sotomayor and letter, letters by Carlos M. Mangual. And in this book, they're like, oh, let's go blow off some steam. Let's go to a bar. And they're like, I will have a soda pop. And like refused to like go hit on girls. Like it was so like it was so annoying. PG thirteen. Like like you don't have to have them like in a strip club fucking <laughs> doing Jaeger bombs. But like just I really, really want that now. <laughs> yeah, actually, I really do want that. That's exactly what I want. Um, it was just very like I just didn't I didn't like them. Like they just came across as really sort of dull, dull and boring. And then they um fighting some, like, sort of alpha frat bro who has bought superpowers kind of deal. Does he do a Jaeger bomb in the strip club? <laughs> he says, dude, you look ridiculous to, um, <laughs> to Nightwing. So I thought this was, like, just not that fun of an issue. I think I'm going to drop Nightwing. If this is if this is who is the new creative team ongoing, I think I also will. Oh no! What? So Tim Seeley's not doing it anymore? Well, that's not who. It, oh yeah, it wasn't on this issue. Oh shit! Um, million. But yeah, I have no idea. Because so. Tim Seeley just got announced as the new writer of um, Hellblazer. Yeah, good call. Kind of. I think it's, he's good at horror. I said on our uh, Serious Issues Facebook group, which you can join today, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues. We're almost at a thousand members, Siobhan. Isn't that crazy? Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, but uh, I said that. Uh, I can't think of one American who's ever wrote, written John Constantine very well. I can't either, but I haven't read much Constantine. Azarello's Hellblazer run is ridiculously bad. It's ridic- <laughs> ridic- bad. Um, just a, not, not, not a great uh, grasp of the character at all. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like Tim Seeley as a writer, so I will give it a chance, obviously. That's, mm. that's crazy. If, this is, if he's not doing Nightwing anymore, yeah. it could be wrong. Hopefully it's just for one issue. So did that issue of Nightwing tie into the Judas contract part two, whatever the fuck no, it's called? No, not really. It was pretty much just like Wally and Dick having a, having a bro date. Yeah. The most boring team bro date of all time. Um, but this week's issue of Teen Titans is part two of the Lazarus contract, which is the um, basically just rehashing the Judas contract, which is just go back and read the Judas contract, guys. It's one of the greats. Um, <laughs> this mostly focuses on the two Wallies, because now we have two Wally Wests. And the, I really like the new Wally. And he's a character who's like, he, he doesn't, you know, he only just found out that the guy he thought was his uncle was his dad. And he just found out that Barry knew that his uncle, uncle dad had died and didn't tell him. And so he's dealing with all these trust issues. And Deathstroke kind of plays on that. 
and, you know, inserts himself in his life as a friendly face and, you know, gets him talking about cars and then kidnaps him and straps him into a machine to help him travel through time to <laughs> get his son back, which was great. Um, I didn't hate this issue. It has some pretty dorky moments. Like the the Teen Titans team up with the sort of adult Titans, I suppose. And there's lots of moments of like, <laughs> like really directly pointing out which characters are sort of the same parts of the team as each other. So like there's a really dorky panel where, um, you know, Starfire and Donna Troy are like, Starfire's like, we are not the type of women who whisper and hide in the shadows, Donna Troy. I am ready to charge forward and fight. And then Donna says, we should really be the ones in charge, shouldn't we? Like, it just really, like, just not not that great. A bit lame and dorky. Like, it's... I'm still reading this because I'm invested in these characters and I like... Like, this is the universe in which I like Deathstroke and I like his children and I like that kind of... um, that relationship with the Teen Titans, but it's not its not amazing. And if you're a fan of Deathstroke from his ongoing series, this is a very different version of the character, and I don't think you'll enjoy it that much. I just looked up Nightwing solic- solicitations. Oh, yeah. And uh, this issue of Night- Nightwing 21 that we just reviewed mm-hmm. um, was uh, meant to be the start of Blockbuster Part 1, written by Tim Seeley with art by Marcus Two. Oh. Um, which would have been great, but uh, for whatever but reason, that's been pushed back till the next issue. Yeah, but he's yeah, he's doing a big a big blockbuster arc. Well, I'll definitely read that. Cool. Um, I also read issue three of uh, Batwoman, which is co-written by Marguerite Bennett and James Tinney in the fourth, with incredible, beautiful, best. I love this art by Steve Epting, colors by Jeremy Cox. Um, this is like the lost year of Kate Kane coming back to bite her in the butt um, where she went to some kind of criminal island and had this ongoing sort of lesbian affair with um, a sort of criminal underworld figure and now she's gone back to fix shit I guess because apparently when she left we don't know what happened when she left but things went poorly and her girlfriend disappeared Um, the best thing about this book is the art so that's why I now just flick through it and I don't actually read it. Is that bad? Do, should I be reading this? I don't... Look, I mean, it is compelling. Like, I am interested in where the story is going. I don't heaps like this version of Kate. It's that, not... It doesn't really... It doesn't yeah. feel like Kate. It doesn't all. mesh with the sort of... I understand what they're trying to do. Be like, this is what she's like when she's not military. But, like, we, we, we know what... It doesn't seem to fit with any other version of Kate that I've seen before. Wisecracking... Smart ass Kate it's, Kane doesn't yeah, work. It's not really it's not really how I would have ever seen her, but the art is so great. Steve Epting has yeah. He has a really great grasp of how the character in the world should look and it's it's such a beautiful comic that it's worth getting for that alone, I think. Cool. Well I read uh, The Wild Storm issue number four by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt with Steve Bucoletto on colours. Bucolato. Uh Bucciolato. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know that one. Um, and uh, I just like, you know, this is a hard one to kind of uh, review each each time it comes out beyond saying I love this uh, mm-hmm. because Warren Ellis is amazing at just kind of giving these little snippets of plot that you know are going to build towards something. Um, you know, it, it, it should be frustrating to read this month to month because you do get such little snapshots into these various plots that are all going on at the same time. But uh, here's such a masterful way of, of, of balancing all those things and just giving you just enough to be like, oh, I wonder what that character's going to do. Mm. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really fun one. Um, 
like it's one that I always wish I had the previous issues beside me so that I could f- figure out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be a really fun one to read in one big go. And I really love John Davis Hunt's um, art. Yeah, but, me too. Like even with me being like, oh, what happened in this again? Who's this guy? What? What's her powers? I love this so much. Like it's so fun to read. He has like he has such a um, like it's such a Warren Ellis voice, and it's one of those things that if you like his voice, then you're gonna like this comic. And if you don't, it's probably not for you. But um, I really like it, and I think the characters that he's introduced are really funny. This really horrible, evil old man um, is brilliant yeah. with his sort of. You know, he's just awful. He's just yeah. the, just the worst. Just the worst. Just the worst old man. But I and knows it. it and it's great. He and says his... that he hates he hates uh he hates Earth because um he, all he can smell is people farting. <laughs> Every single living thing farts. <laughs> and that's why he has to go into space all the time. Really fun. Like, like that that doesn't sound fun. Rotting food, really fun. turds, babies, the list is endless. <laughs> So just sounds like Warren Ellis hates Earth. Why would he you want to live leave. in a world where you can't control what the air smells like? <laughs> um, and I love, you know, even though there's so many different plot threads going on at the same time, he will still, if he feels like it, will take the moment to kind of really, expo- like, just take a moment to, like, the, the, we, we zo- there's this great moment, a couple of pages, where you suddenly zoom out of Bendix's, spa- like, space station, mm-hmm. and uh, it spends... Two pages, you get like three panels where it zooms out each time, boom, boom, revealing more of the space station. And then you get a wordless double page spread of just his space station, like, you know, hovering over Earth. It's this enormous space station that Bendix lives on by himself with his assistant. Yeah. And I thought it was oh, just a powerful kind of display of this character. Absolutely. You and know? they he manages to balance like big, quiet moments like that with sort of, um, like, I really enjoyed the personal relationship between two characters the sort of um evil-ish tech bro yep. and his boyfriend um when he goes home being like oh sorry babe like i have to go back in and you kind of always expect those characters to be lying about what they're actually doing but he has a very open relationship with his boyfriend and tells him everything that's going on over a glass of wine and it was just really like they just spent a couple of pages having that conversation and john davis hunt does some incredible like quiet moments of character development just physically and they're um yeah really really brilliant i really enjoyed this issue great issue uh, there's all the DC books I read. Um, I only read one more. I read Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, issue eight. This is sort of, I guess, I think that the last issue was the start of a new arc. Was it? Sure. I'm sort of like... Who knows of this fucking yeah, book? Yeah. I, I think this is one of the more narratively consistent and linear of the um, young animal books. But it's still like... It's still a bit confusing. And this one seems to have jumped ahead in terms of time or something like that. I don't even know what's going <laughs> Very on. Very linear, guys. <laughs> um, but really amazing issue. I can't. I don't know if I'm actually capable of telling you what's happened in it, but I really, really liked it. And I continue to really love this series and love this book. And you should all be reading it. Michael Avon Oming is brilliant. Great. He's such a good artist. It's so good. And, this and is the colors are so like the best, beautiful. The best book that he's been paired with. Oh, and we get a new page of Bane's coloring book at the end too. Yeah, absolutely. Where Bane's doing a sweet like um, evil motorcycle jump. Trick. Yep. And then there's a little cave Carson in the corner that says, kids, always wear a helmet. Great. <laughs> I love it. Unreal. So good. Uh, so, Image is next. I read two Image books. How many did you read? I read three. Awesome. Let's start with the one that we both read. Yay. Royal City, number three by Jeff Lemire, written and drawn and coloured and everything by him. 
uh, letters. Letters Sorry, by Steve Wands. Steve Wands are the letters. Um, and uh, this... Uh, Continues the story of the family who all see visions of their dead brother or son um, mm-hmm. at different stages of his life, um, which is an extremely powerful um, motif that isn't overused. No, no. You sort of think when it's gonna when it's introduced in the first issue that that's gonna be the focus of the whole series, but he just kind of shows up at um, in, in sort of quiet moments in a very effective way. Yeah, and uh, it's all about the kind of various awful dramas that each of this every character in this family is dealing with and every single one of their personal dramas seems to overshadow the fact that their father is in a coma Mm. Um, and I don't know if anyone in this book is going to get a happy ending but I'm really enjoying reading their misery yeah absolutely like I think this is I mean this is clearly such a um, personal important book for for Jeff Lemire and his art is so like heart-wrenchingly um, expressive in every panel and the colours are so beautiful. He's really outdone himself in this and there's like it is just constant family drama. There's like, you know, the ne'er-do-well brother that refuses to accept help from anyone yeah, or, or be, you know, be likable to anyone. The sister's getting a divorce because her husband's like opposing her in business. Like it's there's miscarriages, every possible sort of painful family drama is mined in this and it's it's exceptional. Um, and I love the idea that this 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 brother won't won't leave the other siblings and, and his parents alone because one of the siblings like stole his life and is writing about his his either his life or his ideas yeah. in his books. Is that what they were suggesting with this? Well, I don't know. Like I mean he the that was a really like you know that happens so quickly that you could sort of blink and miss it but the the sort of um i guess he's almost the pr- protagonist of the series but it's there's not really a main protagonist um but the character who's come back to royal city to visit his family and to try and finish his book when he's visited by his brother trying when he's trying to sit down and actually write because he is he's fucked guys he is past deadline and he's about to have to give back his advance which he's already spent um, when he says, what do you want from me to his dead imagined brother? The brother just says, I just want my life back. And it looks like he mined his brother's life and possibly death for his first book, which was his big hit. And his second book didn't do so well. So he's back to trying to mine his brother's life that's right. for, for his third book. And so maybe that's, maybe that's what's conjuring the ghost of the brother for him. Who can say? But it's, yeah, I it's love awesome. it. awesome. It's such a good book. It really is. And like between... This rough neck a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and then uh, the final of uh, AD After Death that mm-hmm. Jeff Lemire drew, uh, the Scott Snyder book. Um, like, yeah, it's 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 been a a real great time reading reading extremely sad Jeff Lemire books. He's just, <laughs> he's so good at making me sad. He's insane. It's amazing. Uh, so yeah, uh, that that was uh, the book that we both read. Mm-hmm. We both read a few indiv- uh, three books. The other ones didn't. Siobhan, what'd you read? Um, I also read Kurt's words issue five. This Kurt's is- words. Yep, Kurt's words. Um, Kurt's words issue five by Charles. Like we we've mispronounced his name so consistently that I now can't remember what's the actual correct way. Charles Soul. Soul. There we go. Charles Soul with art by Ryan Brown, um, and colors colors also by Ryan Brown and Michael Garland. And this is, um, uh, do I have to keep explaining what it's about? It's about a wizard. Magic. He's it's about a Earth. wizard. He had a beard, then he lost it, so he lost his powers, and now a bunch of other wizards are coming to Earth to attack him. Yeah, and he can regrow his beard with magic. Um, I sort of don't heaps love this series, but 
Oh, and it looks like I forgot to read the second half of it. Great review. <laughs> Classic <Next>. me. <laughs> there was a really good moment in it where we discover who, like, the secret origin of Margaret. The, ka- the koala? Yeah. Ooh, wow, that looks intriguing. Yeah. Turns out, wizard's daughter with Ruby Stitch. Holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. All right. I'm gonna... I don't know why she's now, well, she stopped being a koala and is now an eagle. Um, because, what? Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I uh, didn't read the rest of the issue. Good right. job, me. I'll find out before you do, I'm sure. Yeah. The Few. Um, yes, I also read um, issue five of The Few by Sean Lewis. There's an issue five of this already? Yeah. Wow. This do you, do you is, heaps like it? Um, I don't heaps like it, but I do like it because um, it is sort of just a. Uh, it's another book, mostly like it's ostensibly about sort of a future war, but also just about like family and commitment and um, having to live up to the promises that your parents made in a sort of quite horrifying way and there's some really in like like there's a sort of um really moving three panels after a really sort of upsetting horrifying death when a a father takes the um sort of military punishment that his daughter is due and um is slaughtered on camera in front of her and then there's just three pages of just blank space with her in the corner sort of dealing with that and it's um a really clever use of blank space i really like the art it's uh, it's been confusing but it is sort of expressive and gets across um it's sort of about big ideas and themes rather than a sort of strong narrative i think but the narrative is still compelling no reminds like me it. of a alice scott uh, book yeah yeah very much very much how do you, how do you say his name Al- alice scott alice scott i don't know i don't know alice um, scott but <laughs> But I'm keen to – I think it's probably just going to be one more issue and just a little six-issue mini, and I'm, I'm keen to see how it finishes up. It was really good. Uh, I read Invincible issue number 136, which is part four of the final arc, which has 12 parts, The End of All Things. And uh, this we see Invincible and his family wage war against General Thrag, who has amassed a, uh, an army of, uh, of cloned – uh, Viltrumites or whatever the fuck the race is called. Nice. Um, which and they're they're like they have weaker skins and bodies than the rest of the characters, which just means Ryan Otley just gets to draw all of these purple clones get eviscerated in all kinds of gory and ridiculous ways and by halfway through the issue, Invincible and his dad are just covered in blood Ooh. and guts and eyeballs. You just don't expect that from that book for some reason. Yeah, I think the first 10 issues weren't that gory. And then mm. I think as soon as Ryan Otley took over, it just went like <laughs> b- bananas with the gore. Um, uh, and, you know, this is one of those books, I'm, 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 it is like complete brand candy for me. Uh, I kind of switch, switch the thinking parts of my brain off and I just take in the end. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For this story, and I don't really think I'm, I, can, I have like proper critical thoughts towards it, but it's going to nice. be over soon. And uh, <laughs> maybe I'll have some critical thoughts then. Hey, all right. I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, so those are the image books that we read this week, which leaves us with Marvel. All right. Wow, we held out uh, this far into the episode, a whole almost an hour inward, and uh, we didn't even mention the words Secret or Empire once. Wow. Secret Empire number two, <laughs> written by Nick Spencer, art by Andrea Sorrentino, and a little bit of backup art by Rod Reyes as well. Uh, I love Sorrentino. Me too. And uh, I like Rod Reyes as well, a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, what about Nick Spencer? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I... I actually really enjoyed most of this issue. I agree. I agree Up until like the end, I was like, this is compelling. He's doing something interesting. He knows what he's, you know, he's been building up to this for so long. He knows what he's doing. Um, you know, while I might not agree with how like heavy handed he is with things sometimes, there's some really compelling things like uh, some of the characters who are in this like weird alternate dark world. I don't yeah. really know where that is. And, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist are trying to keep things going and they've got um, Dagger from Cloak and Dagger Who's- providing any light for the... It's so And like she she was able to do it at first for 12 hours at a time. Now she's only managing four hours a day. And they need the light because otherwise the like demons who live in this world will rise up and take over. And Kingpin is the only one that's able to like really keep everyone in line in this dark world, which is so genius. Like, yeah. there, there's, like there is nothing more fun than like a completely rearranged superhero universe. Especially when you have like all these, you know, oh, where's this particular character? Mm-hmm. What's going on? You know, what's going on with them? Mm-hmm. Um and so you've got some characters that are stuck in this dark world because, which is um, in, in enveloped all of uh, Manhattan. Um, we haven't even checked in with all the characters that are stuck in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the other characters like uh, Hawkeye and Black Widow uh, leading a resistance with the um, with the champions, mm-hmm. all the young heroes and stuff as well. And then of course you've got the, the cutting back to Captain America as Hydra with all of his Hydra pals. Um, really great panel layouts from Sorrentino as well. There's some really compelling. Um, double page spreads and things like that. There's a really crazy double page spread yeah. in which, like, you know, if, you, if you've read Pleasant Hill and all the stuff that led up to this point, you, you know, you kind of don't really need to read any of the text. But he's almost used every page of Pleasant Hill to mm. create this image of, of, of Captain America. It's really, really clever. It's like know, how um, Paris Hilton has that one picture that's um, made up of all of the selfies of her own face. It's like that. Amazing. Um, and I wonder if it was Sorrentino that did this or someone else, but it was, it, it's impressive. All the it same. really is impressive. And so in this issue, we see, um, what's his name? Rick Jones, who just got uh, murdered on camera as, yep. a, as a sign of Firing crushing squad. the resistance. 
Um, he manages to get a message to the resistance and basically tells them all what what's going on, like Reels what's happened. There are cosmic cube fragments that they, if they potentially find them and put them back together, so it's a it's a MacGuffin quest, everybody. Yeah, and um, now the resistance is split in half between um, Black Widow, who thinks that they should just go and take him down, just and go it kill, matter. just kill go kill, America. go kill Steve because that's what he would want. And for some weird reason, all the champions thought that was a good idea too, <laughs> which I don't think really makes sense with those characters, like Wasp. Like little ones. Yeah, that doesn't really make a Nadia whole heap Pim, of sense. Like, She's like, nah, we should kill the that ray of positive, Yeah, ray of positivity. Well, she's an assassin. Uh, that's true, I guess. Um, oh, and she would, like, like you know, she has the Russian factor with uh, Black Widow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's why they're in a team. Um, but Hawkeye thinks that they should try and find, track down the Cosmic Cube. MacGuffin Quest! With Hercules and... It looks like Mockingbird, I think. And and, I, I, I gathered that was who that was. Um, and Quicksilver. And Ant-Man. Oh, and Ant-Man. He's tiny. He's at some people's shoulders. you got to look very carefully. Yeah, I actually him. didn't notice him. And I love that he leads them to Sam Wilson. Yeah, who's in a bar. And I kind of like, I, I know that like, you know, this is, all these events do this. Like, you know, where are all these characters? Oh, here they are. You're going to reintroduce them one but by one. But that's fun. It is very fun. It's fun if you're a nerd. And then uh, uh, also within there, we, um, it looks like all of the different fragments lie with characters that haven't been seen in the Marvel Universe for a while. Like, There's an you know, image of, of a face split in three. The top oh, part is definitely Namor. Definitely Namor. And then the, the middle is either Red Skull or what's Cross and Skull Bones. What's his name? Crossbone, Crossbones. Yeah. Crossbones. You reckon that could be him? Possibly. And then, I don't know who the big claw is. Claw Hand. Dead. Yeah. Um, Old Claw Hands. <laughs> um, that beloved Ditko creation. Old Claw <laughs> Hands. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know this is like, you know, by the numbers event bullshit, but yeah. I'm on board. That's, that stuff's really fun. Totally. What I'm not on board with. Yes, and here is, we go. Is all of a sudden, like the, the issue almost like comes to a, an end where, uh, you know, we get the reveal of, of the champions joining uh, Black Widow and she cuts her hand and drags it across a wall and says, welcome Sick. to the Red Room. So, so she's going to train them all to be murderous assassins. And then she's like, can someone please get me a towel? I cut really hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, this actually hurts. Oh God. Um, and then we also get them kind of... Uh, Finding um, Sam Wilson, which is that's a great, a great way to end the book. But then suddenly we jump for I don't know, we just jump to a different part where um, mm. a bunch of snakes, <laughs> snake men, <laughs> are chasing after a girl um, with blonde hair, very and, virginal. Yep, absolutely. She's in a white dress and everything. Um, and uh, just as they're about to attack her, they get attacked by um, a big foot and some fists, and they belong to someone who says, "My name is Steve Rogers. I'm just trying to get home." What the fuck is the point of that? So are we? I guess there's a different Steve Rogers out here, out there. Is yeah. he one of the cube bits fragments? I don't know, but I don't give a shit. This is such a fucking cop out. Yeah, guys. Oh, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This made me annoyed about the whole event. I was like, I really enjoyed this whole issue, and then to be like, oh, there's another Steve out there. Mm. And it also means that now no one has a dumber kind of last five years of history than Captain America who's, yeah. who died and got brought back using a time bullet because mm. that he was assassinated with to begin with and then he gets sent to a different dimension and then he comes back and he's he's old and then he gets oh. yeah I don't know <laughs> then I don't know then Sam Wilson is Captain America it's crazy it's, yeah and now there's two of him just a good one and an evil one Stupid, so stupid. Look, this, this could still be some weird. Maybe it's maybe it's mystique. Hey, <laughs> that would be heaps fun. I would be way into that. Um, but uh, yeah, a very weird way to end this mostly good issue. 
Yeah. I'm still like, I mean, obviously I'm still going to read it. And also, I have to, but... Marvel are usually guilty of slapping the $4.99 price on uh, comics that are not even worth $3.99. Mm. But this really felt like a, a lot of bang for your buck. This is a long, a long book to get through. This was a long issue. Um, and the art's really... The art really is spectacular. Like, I sort of... I don't heaps love the changing artist from issue to issue. I think that makes it hard to tell a sort of consistent, coherent story. But I guess when it's a story that's told across so many different books, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like the, it, it seems mostly contained. Like, I mean, all the Captain America books are going to tie into this and then Secret Warriors, US Avengers. Uh, it looks like no, Ultimate. This no, is, no, like, this right. is crossing over into, like, everything. But yeah, I, I was worried that, like, Luke Cage, for example, was going to be set in the, the Dark World oh, or whatever. Oh, no, but, thank goodness. Um, yeah, but it, it looks... It look, Lewis, it looks less... Um, taking over of every single uh, book than Civil War Two was. Yeah. Right. Uh, I actually think um, I, I wish Jim was here to give me the exact numbers, but I think it's comparable to, if not more, tie-ins and crossovers in terms of how much you would have to spend if you wanted to keep on top of this entire event. Which, right. like, don't do it, guys. Um, so I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Hey, you know what? The next different. the next issue is Andrea Sarantino again. Oh, with nice. Rod, with Rodriguez doing the backup. Cool. Fun. I'm into it. All right, cool. Uh, also from Marvel this week was the... Mar- oh, oh, here we go. Jim has just uh, passed... Sorry, not Jim. Fake Jim. Scott. <laughs> Scott has just passed us um, a list of all of the uh, things that you can buy to tie into Secret Empire. At this, I reckon that's a, that's a smaller list than uh, than Civil War Two was. Maybe in terms of titles. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just being a hater. Uh, the Mighty Thor, number 19 by Jason Aaron, Russell Dorderman, and uh, a little couple, a few fill-in pages by Valerio Shiti. What a fun issue. This is great. Uh, t- it brought to the, a close the um, uh, the Shi'ar and mm-hmm. the Phoenix um, battle between uh, Jane F- Foster and the um, the rest of the Norse gods. Um, the Asgard Shi'ar War, part five is what it was called. Um, and also Quentin Choir was in, in the mix as well. And... Uh, I think the Phoenix is a really boring entity that just kind of shows up and is like so dramatic and oh, it's so it's so all ending and oh god, it's a fucking bird. But I thought it was handled really well in this. That was fun. Yeah, there was some really fun um, like Phoenix things that they put into it. Like Jane Foster smacks the Phoenix in the face with her with Mjolnir. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Because yeah, all, all the Phoenix wants is to is is the hammer. It is revealed that Odin's son and the Phoenix maybe used to date. Also great. <laughs> yeah, so great. I love yeah, Odinson rocks up with his hammer and they both uh they both fire a storm at the Phoenix and then Quentin Quire merges with the uh, with merges with the tiny part of the Phoenix. Uh that part wasn't addressed in Generation X this week. <laughs> um yes. but I wonder if that will have ramifications for the future. I hope so, because the an actually powerful Quentin Quire who has some form of responsibility powers wise mm. is more compelling than just the continued, you know Braddy teen. Teen who, who can't graduate, just the, the eternally flunking teen. Jason Aaron writes a better Quentin Quire than what we see. Such in a good Quentin Quire, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I almost thought that this is going to be how um, Jane Foster battles her cancer. She make, makes a deal with the Phoenix, but mm. that's not what happened. No, um, she also stands down from the um, the position that she's held on Asgard and um, nominates Roz Solomon, agent of Shield, to take her place on the council, which, which I is think really was fun. Really sick. And she's still got uh, Lola, uh, Phil Coulson's car. And it also looks like um, Jane is Jane is getting ready to tell Odin's son that she is she is Thor. Yep. Which is going to be fun. I'm plus, looking forward to that. Plus, we get the Mangog. Yeah. He's coming back. The guy who brought on um, Ragnarok a couple times mm-hmm. in uh, 
in in uh, Thor volumes past, and uh, the next issue is going to be the reveal of the all new Ultimate Thor, the guy who coined the hammer. He looks very old and very beardy. This is like just continues to be heaps fun. Guys. So great, I love it. I love that. Like also, we get like you know normally previews that like the final page will preview the next issue and then like two other things that vaguely tie into that world. This one we just get issue twenty, twenty one, and twenty two of Thor. Hell yeah! And uh, there's a whole lot of hammers and smacking. Great covers. Awesome. God, Russell Dortmund's amazing. Yeah, and and I, I was actually like, oh no, it's not Russell Dortmund. All of a sudden, halfway through this issue, but Valeria Shitty is uh, is a good uh, shitey. I don't know. Either way, it sounds Skitty, bad. I believe. Skitty. Oh, that works. That works way better. <clears throat> um, let's argue right now, Siobhan. Yay! Nick Fury, issue number two by James Robinson and uh, whoever the artist is, Aiko. A-C-O? A-C-O. A-C-O. Aiko. Who, who could possibly say? <clears throat> now, you didn't like issue one of this because it was just like a, uh, you know, a one and done kind of crazy, colorful romp. And I loved <laughs> yeah, it. that's why I didn't like it. <laughs> Isn't no, it? I didn't like it because it was like really hard to read. I don't find it compelling when a spy is just like, here's all my sweet gadgets and that just did everything for me and I didn't actually have to do anything and I'm not a compelling hero. But That's he has a like pink it. eye patch. Not all the time. He does not this issue. Yeah. That wasn't no. enough to, to push you over the line? No. Like this, this one annoys me because I, I so should love this. Like this screams like... Siobhan would love this but I just don't I I don't find like this this version of Nick Fury Jr. is just kind of like a smug jerk and he's not like interesting and he doesn't seem to really do shit he just kind of shows up and is like and now my eye patch will do all of this stuff for me and now I'm out Peace. no but I mean he doesn't he still fails his mission you didn't did he? The end of this. No, I did. He, I have no idea what happened in this. <laughs> you know, maybe you're reading this upside down or something. <laughs> oh yeah, he did fail. Yeah. But it's like yeah. Yeah, I don't find this like agent of Hydra a compelling villain either. I don't think I think it's like for me it's this is just like some a weird throwback to to how like spy comics and spy like you know the concept of a spy just being this like super powerful guy that was never seen by anybody and just mm. slipped in and slipped out and had a sexy alien uh, sexy nemesis and mm. you know even though they're enemies they don't ever kill each other and I, I, I it just feels like such a bizarre like it, it's a somewhat of it's a it's a technically it's an update like from a from a you know an art point of view of of, of this old kind of trope of a spy comic for me but. At its core, it's still just like this this kind of comedy that you don't really see anymore where it's just like, you know, you're like, get in fast, get the money, save the girl, you know, that kind of... Yeah, it's very like, it's a very like James Bond version of what being a spy is. Yeah. But I just don't think that the narrative is there to make it compelling. I don't, I don't think the narrative is there at all. I yeah. just think it's, for me, it's just like this complete eye candy that... It's like, just really, really fun. <laughs> like it looks, it looks great, but I don't feel like it tells the story well. Really, the art wise. No, I just, I totally disagree. I find, I think it's this is even easier to follow than the last issue. It was definitely easier to follow than the last issue, but I'm still, I still don't. You just, I don't, you I just don't follow it. it to the right. <laughs> you know how comics work. <laughs> oh, except when you don't. Yeah, except when. Touche. I'm reading manga. Touche gravity. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This wasn't my favorite. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, I really, really it just doesn't this. appeal to me for some reason, despite the fact that it should. Um, oh gosh, was that all the? the those are the marvels I, I read this week. But uh, I know you've got a pile more. I, I admitted, to get, even though I can't wait to read the end of this this arc of unbearable squirrel. Oh, you didn't. You didn't. Yeah, read I just realized. Girl? I just realized that it was top of my pile, and I forgot to read. Unbeatable it. Squirrel Girl. It's really, uh, really great. But I can read three comics in the time it takes me to read one. 
Yeah, it is. That. It is a. It's wordy. It's a wordy read. It's a great wordy read. Heaps but fun. It's very weird, yeah. um, okay, well, I will speed through oh, this no, stuff. Take then. your time. Um, issue three of Royals by Al Ewing and art by what's his name? John Boy Mayers. No, Tony Silas. Fucking whatever. And Will Robson. Oh, whoa. Yeah, Will Robson does um, these sort of uh, flashbacks cool. to um, uh, Black Bolt and. Medusa? Nope. No, what's his name? I don't even read this. Maximus the Mad? Maximus the Mad's parents, who were just like apparently really nuts and experimented on their children. Oh, fun. um, Because his mum had her and human powers that she could filter exactly what came into her body. So when she was pregnant, she made it so that the the Terrigen was like the most pure coming into her body to um, affect her children. So that's pretty interesting. But it's really weird reading a Will Robson Illustrated comic that's not funny. Yeah, because he was he, uh, he was the artist on Great Lakes Avengers. And the whole way through, I was waiting for gags, <laughs> <laughs> which um, did not come. But this was such a good issue. This mostly deals with the relationship between Maximus and Black Bolt and why they're so at odds and why their relationship is so hard and what Maximus did to um, be able to you know, get Black Bolt's defenses down enough to get into his mind and swap places with him to put him in the prison. Mm-hmm. Um so like a really really great really brilliant almost like standalone issue i really enjoyed this i thought this was really solid it's mostly about maximus which is probably why i liked it so much he's 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 the best in human yeah he's definitely the best in human um i also read x-men gold issue four which is gambit um and the cover (laughs) is (laughs) (laughs) written by mark guggenheim with um art by rb silver silver so this is the first issue um, where we don't have, uh, what's his face, the original artist. Don't worry about it. Anyway, that guy. He's gone. Good um, riddance, some would say. Some would say. I don't know if I would say that. <sighs> yeah, the cover's the best bit about this, and the art's pretty good. <laughs> and I like Gambit, but I, I'm not heaps, yeah, I'm not heaps sold on this this series. It's It's just gotten like already weird and confusing. And oh, really? I don't really care that much So it sounds anymore. like classic X-Men then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, issue 12 of The Punisher by Becky Cloonan with art by Matt Horrock um, and colors by Frank Martin. This ties up the whole story that we've been um, following The Punisher in. Um, wraps up um, that fight between that guy whose name I've forgotten and the face and um, the cool FBI DEA agent. Apologies. Um, just a really, really solid wrap up to the series. I hope Becky Cloonan is still going to continue. Shit, this on. is the end one. Next, oh no, there is a next month. Look. Yeah, it continues. Um, All right. Awesome. But it just wraps up that story arc really nicely, and we see Frank return to Hell's Kitchen at the end of the issue um, in a very fun, satisfying way, and I love it. I really, really love this book. This is the first time where I've really loved The Punisher, although we have been going back through um, some some of my boyfriend's old back issues and we found a bunch of uh, like Jim Lee Punishers. And they're all the ones that are the covers are like, um, if you just rented a um, jet ski to The Punisher, you better believe that bad boy is gone and stuff like that. And they're so funny and so fun. I really like them. But this is, um, yeah, this is a great, great Punisher run. I think Becky Cloonan could be one of the, like, you know, all-time great Punisher writers. Awesome. I, I, I don't know why I didn't read this first. <laughs> You're silly. Um, I also read Ultimate Squared Issue 7 by Al Ewing with art by... 
someone kosh so different really different for this book um a very very different yeah we had people in our group complaining about this artwork oh really i liked it there you go what do i know um, I still enjoy it. This guy, whoever he is, has a really um, great grasp of facial expression, and he draws a very handsome blue marvel, which I was very into. Uh, the cover, uh, it's by oh, his name's like A U D Kosh, Ord Kosh, Ord Kosh. And this is a tie-in to uh, what's going on with uh, Secret Empire, and all of the sort of super-powered space heroes are stuck outside of the barrier thing that's encircled the earth mm-hmm. and so they've realized that the only way they're going to be able to get through this is with galactus's help um and so america chavez is um trying to track down galactus and she does but galactus has found that um you know they didn't really trust him the captain marvel didn't trust him and he's watching on like a really old tv footage of captain marvel um you know saying like would we be able to take galactus down with this um, barrier if need be. And so Galactus was like, fuck you, I'm not helping. <laughs> That's a direct Basically. quote. Um, but I really, I really liked this. I think it was like, it was a really good, just little standalone issue in the middle of... Um, Secret Empire's know, bullshit. Ha- yeah, like having to tie in. I think this was a solid, a really solid issue. Occasionally and I you get a good tie in. Yeah, yeah I like the art. Um, I also read Monsters Unleashed issue two for some godforsaken reason. Is it getting better yet? Oh, look, it's not like, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just like, this is such a book for, um, I think this is a great book for like new Marvel readers, for kids who want to, like, (laughs) who want to enjoy, you know, want to, want to identify with new characters who are theirs. Um, I don't think this is bad. I think the art's really fun and cartoony, but it's just like, it's just not for me. Do you reckon we have any tween listeners? I don't know. If you, if you, are you our youngest listener? Uh, are you fun, prepubescent? Let, let us know. Serious issues um, that were at kingscomics.com. I don't know. Yeah. Tweet us. At serious <laughs> underscore, kids use email anymore? Issues. Yeah, what do they use? Bebo? Do kids use, do use Bebo? <laughs> I think so. Um, Snapchat us. <laughs> I think I'm a lev dog at Snapchat, mm-hmm. on Snapchat. <laughs> I, I think I have Snapchat. I have no idea. Who could possibly say? Um, a tween could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My little sister is hectic into Snapchat, but I think she's officially a teen now, which is terrifying, terrifying for us all. And she definitely doesn't listen to the podcast. Bindi sucks. Ha ha ha. I also read Star Wars issue 31 by Jason Aaron and Salvador La Roca with colors by Edgar Delgado. This ties into, this is part two of the Screaming Citadel. Did it get better? We did not like the Um, first one. It was kind of confusing and not very Star Warsy. We call it Sex Planet. Yeah, this is, I mean, it just continues to be... Well, look at LaRocca's art on this. Yeah, LaRocca's, LaRocca is so well suited to the Star Wars universe. I think he does a good job of making it, making this weird Sex Planet more Star Wars-y. Yep. Um, there were some fun moments, for sure. We see, like, Han, Leia, and um, Sana, who is sort of yeah, yeah. Han's Han, ex-wife yep. or whatever, teaming up to come and rescue Luke. Um who who himself is apparently on a re- on a mission to rescue R two D two right? I have no or fucking C three PO C three PO yeah I don't know I can't remember. who could possibly say. Um, but uh, like I, I'm quite I, I did quite enjoy this issue. Like it's still a weird silly tie in uh, crossover event thing. But um, this was probably the stronger issue of the two. Cool. I would argue. That's all the Marvel ones. Go Ooh. Marvel! That's the end of Marvel. Now we have a couple of comics from our other section, and the other section includes for me. 
two IDW books and Ooh. one Archie book. Nice. But uh, Siobhan's pile is enormous. It's gigantic. <laughs> I read so much this week, guys. So do you want to fly through a few books quickly uh, yeah. that I didn't read? Uh, did you read this one? No, I did not read Kim Reaper. Kim Reaper. Um, very cute. There's definitely some great elements in this. I like little touches, like the fact that uh, Kim has hairy legs. That's really nice. Really nice <laughs> to see. Um, probably not for me, but I can imagine this, you know, finding a really passionate fan base and audience. Um, it, the, the story moves a little bit quickly for me. Like the relationship is developed and then crushed and then developed um, a little bit too speedily for me and there's some really harsh like judgments in terms of people's personalities that well I was like whoa that's really hectic this is only issue two slow down guys but I can understand wanting to try and fit um all your ideas into probably a short six issue arc um so I probably won't continue to read this but I I assume that this is going to have a really strong fan base yeah where are her hairy legs I'm trying to find these hairy legs um let me try and find the panel where I see them you can see him peeking out the bottom of her jeans a That's couple of fun. times. There you go. It's like, it's subtle. It's very small. A little bit of hair. But it's like, it's nice. You know, you, you, really you don't see it. that. You notice the little things, Siobhan. I do. I uh, don't notice the big things like plot, <laughs> but I notice little things like hair legs. legs. Next. Uh, Night Owl Society issue two. Of course two. I read this. I love Yay, this book. Yay, all right. Um, I, again, I feel like this moved really quickly. Really? Um, yeah, didn't you? It feels it has a vibe of a mini series as opposed to a long arc, but For I, sure. I, I kind of get that why you would do that as a creator putting out, you know, one of your first books at IDW. Yeah, absolutely. I sort of feel like I would have liked to see it stretched out a little bit more, but I can understand why. I think it stuff happens a, at this pace. It might be a fake out. The, uh, really, the, and I, don't, I don't want to reveal anything really about this book. It's a weird uh, crime book about a uh, a, a son of. Uh, a son like a, who who has no friends at school uh, gathering up a, a motley crew of, of kids at his school to help take down a crime boss who uh, is closer to uh, this boy than you may think at first. It's his dad. Okay. I spoiled it. Uh, it's really good though, guys. I really like the art on this. Um, it's, written it's... By, it's written by um, James Venhouse with uh, art by P.S. Bark, Pius Bark. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I really really love this series. I yeah, think, uh, good characters. Sort of, I like that they're kind of almost playing with the sort of Riverdale esque tropes, character tropes. Like, there's the computer nerd, there's the big jock, there's the snooty girl, there's the down to earth girl who can fix cars. Um, and but I think that they're they're sort of playing around with those archetypes in a really clever, fun way, and I like it a lot. Yeah, definitely. And like the, the moments of uh, of you know very harsh crime stuff is is a massive juxtaposition to that kind of fun high school yeah. hijinks kind of vibe for the mo- the majority of the book. I think it's a really really great and strong new book. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Um I read Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, The Big Lie, issue 3. This is another one about sort of children and relationships with your parents and solving crimes and murders and good art. Um, I'm sort of, I, I think I missed issue two of this, and so I'm a little bit lost. Issue two is the, uh, the kind of, they, 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 they snuck into like a gambling boat. Yeah, I missed that for sure. Right. Um, and I don't, uh, I think probably as a result of that, I didn't love this issue. Um, it's still fine, but it just didn't, it didn't grab me in the same way that the first issue really did. And the character development isn't quite there for me. Sure. Um, but still, still good fun. 
I'll still probably read it. So that was another crime. Uh, so that, that and Night Owl Society are two crime books being put out by IDW. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is one at the top of this deck uh, that I love reading. Oh, nice. It's probably the book that I read first each week comes out. Um, Animal Noir, um, written by uh, a European duo, um, Izar Lunasek and Nietzsche Duren. Uh, with art by Isa Lunasek. Um, sorry, I'm dogging all of their names. Sorry about that, guys. Um, but uh, this is a, a, a you know anthropomorphic crime book um, that kind of sets. It's like the Zootopia society in which animals have uh, learnt to live alongside one another, but there's still incredible like you know class mm-hmm. differences between all of the animals, um, and everyone's out to get each other. This one started out like the first two thirds of this issue are like as wacky and kind of bizarre as this book has gotten I thought mm. and you're not, not really sure where it's going and then it just hits you with the most insane like moment mm. like this wild twist that yep. not even you can you can, don't spoil it no I'm not going to spoil it give him something give him yeah. something because it's really to. it's really horrifying really yeah. upsetting and, and not where you yeah like it, it basically is building this massive kind of like interfamily between a family of hippos mm-hmm. um, you know this story of uh parental betrayal and and mm-hmm. uh, and kind of uh like basically like a, a lot of different characters not letting on the full the full story to other characters and uh when it, when when a lot of their their ha- their, cu- their hands are revealed at the end it's a massive like shock absolutely I'm, I'm not really sure how this changes the initial mystery of the uh or i, th- I think maybe that that initial mystery of the uh the 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 porno movies. It's kind of been solved, kind right? Kind of been solved. And so, at least kind of swept under the rug in some weird way. But this is a very compelling ser- series where, like, our our protagonist is just kind of like this guy who just lo- watches on as all this madness happens around him. Yeah, he really took a backseat in this whole um, issue. Great book. Right? Yeah, really brilliant. One of the best books of the year so far. Such fun art, great colours. Really, really so much to love about this book. Excellent. <sighs> what else did I read? Dead Inside from Dark Horse. Is yeah, this was the last book. issue. What the fuck? God damn yeah. it. How could this be ending? Um, I don't know. It just finished. This is John Arcudi with um, art by somebody. Somebody, somebody. Tony Fezula. Fezula. Um, yeah, look, this finishes up the first story arc. I hope that we get to see these characters again, but even if we don't, it was wrapped up really satisfyingly. Um, it would be really cool to see this continue on and see this detective get get more of a run in some other stories. Um, but yeah, really, really satisfying end to a really just great, solid crime book. Really good fun. Yeah, Highly I recommend. Mean, looking forward to uh, to uh, catching up on that one. That's such a bummer that it's, that it's potentially the end. Akuti's such a good, good writer. Yeah, but it, it doesn't feel like... You know, that's where it was going to end always. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we get to see oh, yeah, more no, of it. Dark Horse aren't the kind of uh, publisher that cancels a book mid mid arc. Yeah, totally. But they um, put out another book this week. Yeah, they sure did. Which is um, issue three of American Gods by Neil Gaiman, adapted by Pete Craig Russell with art by Scott Hampton. Um, good issue. This is really good. This still continues to be good. Excellent. Are you, you going to watch a TV series? Yeah, I really do want to. I'm pretty much just reading this because I haven't. Um, been bothered to get a download <laughs> of the series yet. A legal download. A, obviously, I love the law. Um, how about Britannia from um, from Val- Valiant. Valiant? That's still good. Yes, still really great. Written by Peter Milligan with art by Juan Jose Rip. This is book two of We Who Are About to Die. This is the sort of um, ancient Roman set during Nero's reign book. 
all about the first ever detective called a detectioner in Rome. And this is a crazy book because it starts bringing in like there's a, there's definitely a supernatural element, but there was a supernatural element to life in ancient Rome. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, and in this, the gods are angry and the detectioner is trying to figure out what the hell is going on while also teaming up or trying to find out what's going on with this um, female gladiator who is trying to um, win her freedom in the gladiatorial battles. And this is really good fun continues to be excellent if you have an interest in this kind of history i think it's really compelling nero is such a horrible scummy little jerk (laughs) um we get to see more of a development of our um the character and his son's relationship that's really good this is my favorite thing that peter milligan has done in a long time and it's really unique like we don't see much of this kind of stuff in um sort of western comics so really good fun fun (sighs) i also read uh, what issue number is this? Um, issue three of The Spirit Corpse Makers by Francesco Francavia, out through Dynamite. Um, An extremely good-looking book. Has it started to make sense from a plot point of view yet? Yeah. Like, I mean, this this is sort of a um, heavy... Like, this issue moves quite quickly, and it's a lot of, like, chase and investigations and stuff like that. And we still don't quite know what's going on with these um, scary corpses, but there is a reveal at the end, which is another... Like, if, if Francesco Francavia is best known for two things i would say it's like noir and zombies and this brings um the two together in one so i'm keen to see where this goes and it's like it's so like even if the story isn't the story is compelling but even if it wasn't it's a beautiful enough book to stand on its own great colors great art um i also read issue two of jeff loveness and wando's world reader out through aftershock comics i love this is a a high hard sci-fi kind of uh book about um someone Figuring out how all of the universe was destroyed or something, right? Yeah, so pretty much um, humans discovered life on other planets, but the only problem is all of the life died a million, millions of years ago, um, and they're trying to figure out what happened. And there's this woman who claims who's in this... It's, it's sort of interesting because no one wants her on this trip. No one believes in her powers, but she can connect to the ghosts on the dead world and you know hear their stories and find out what's going on and it's it's so weird that she would be on this mission when no one wants her there but she's there and um we're we're now discovering who what the scary thing is who the scary villain is that has um that has caused the death of all these worlds and this is beautiful art really amazing high concept sci-fi Amazing colours too. Yeah. It looks entirely neon. Yeah, pretty much. But but in a way that's also super like like sad and and morose. Yeah, it's a very sort of like quiet melancholy book about like life and death and not, you know, not being able to move on. Um, But it's, yeah, I love this. I really enjoyed this issue. Continues to be great. Eleanor the Egret. Issue two by John Lehman and Sam Sam Keith, like you have never seen Sam Keith before. I feel like we're used to sort of his really dark, spiky stuff. And this is a kind of weird, almost Art Nouveau inspired It looks like a children's mystery. book. Yeah. yeah. The, and the, it, the artist of the, of the Max doing like a warmest watercolor, colored mm. pencil children's book art. Um, about a, a woman named Eleanor who it, it does heists with her egret who steals paintings in its gullet. Yes. And then eats them and is growing exponentially... Um, with every painting that they eat. And we've discovered that um, they are targeting one specific artist with all of their heists, which wasn't apparent in the first issue, um, who seems like some kind of... Yeah, it's really weird and really insane. Um, And the last issue, the last page, 
brings um, a much more sort of traditional yeah. Sam Keith creation into it, um, visually at least. I, I still, I, like every issue, I'm like, what is this? I don't understand. Why am I reading this? But I'm, I'm still really enjoying it awesome. for, some, for some reason. Anyway. Over to the Archieverse now. I read one issue nice. um, of, uh, of Jughead. Before we talk about Jughead, tell me about Archie this week. Was it a good one? It really was. So this is um, issue one of the new story arc called Over the Edge, um, still written by Mark Wade with art by Pete Woods. Um, this is sort of like, this is definitely taking Archie away from being a comedy book and much more into being a fairly like high drama. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mostly... for or against that? I don't know. It was quite a good issue, but it was also sort of taking away from... But like, I mean, I was about to say it's like, you know, very different from why I love Archie. But like, fuck me, who cares why I love Archie? This was still a good issue. Um, you just said it like taking away from a comedy book. At one point, Archie gets electrocuted and turns into a skeleton. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still moments of slapstick and there's still if moments of... that isn't of... funny. <laughs> um, but this is mostly... Oh, sorry, I just noticed that um, there's a moment where... <laughs> this, is both, this is about the relationship between Archie and Reggie, mostly. And it's sort of a bit weird because I like to think of Archie and Reggie as being friends who antagonize each other. And this sets them up really directly as like... I like it starts with Archie saying I hate Reggie, which I don't think is a very Archie thing to do. Um, and then I think there's a bit where um, Reggie is graffitiing, eat a giant, and then it's obscured what the rest of it is on Archie's car. We have to assume it's eat a giant dick. You have to assume. Right? I thought I was thinking turd. Oh, that's yeah. Yep. Eat yeah, a giant probably. dick. I would have assumed dick, but I think that says more about me than it does about... What do you think, tweens? Let us know. (laughs) What would you graffiti on your enemy's car? Um, Tweens only, please. So we see a little bit more of the Blossoms kind of finding out why, who this, their dad who isn't their dad is and where all their money's gone, but that's only a really small part of the book. This is... um, ends up being like a drag race between Archie and Reggie, which sort of fits into like Riverdale a bit, I think. Um... But when, you know, Betty finds... Because Betty has spent all day fixing Archie's car for him because he's shitty. And then Archie, you know, immediately speeds off in the car to go drag race Reggie. She's furious. And so Betty speeds over and it looks like she... Like all three cars um, crash into each other and go over the edge of a cliff. So a pretty dramatic ending for an Archie comic... Who I I mean who knows it's a three part it's described as a three part epic oh wow um, and so, one of Archie's friends will be forever changed oh no I wonder in what sense Archie's got a safe thing <laughs> he's just marked himself safe on Facebook yeah so after we know a tragedy we know Archie's fine but um who knows what's what's going on it's you got to assume so it's going to be Betty or Reggie That's um so funny. yeah weird weird but I, I guess I quite liked it I guess um, I quite liked it. Very excited that we're going to get another issue of the Archie soon. Is there a preview at the back of this? Yeah, there is a little preview at the back of it. It's got art by um, who's this guy who did um, Morning Glories? Yeah, you don't like him. Yeah, I don't hate like him. He draws he draws a really weird Jughead guys. But anyway, speaking of Jughead, I read issue fifteen of Jughead, and we've celebrated this run because it was written by. uh, Chip Zadarsky at first, then it was written by Ryan North, and so it had incredible um, comedy writing mm-hmm. behind it. And uh, this issue, uh, while it still retained Derek Charm on art, who did it the entirety of 
um, Ryan Northrun and some of Chip Zdarsky's. Um, we had two new riders to the Jughead franchise. We had Mark Wade mm. taking over um, uh, for this arc. And, of course, Mark Wade uh, is famous for all kinds of superhero comics and has been writing the Archie comics since they started. Uh, and then Ian Flynn, who is most famous for writing the Sonic comics for Archie. Oh, I've never heard of him. Um, and so we get a very tonally different um, Jughead issue about um, Jughead wanting to go see Josie and the Pussycats because he wants to eat all of the the the, the food you can eat at like a at a rock like show. festival food yeah yeah um, but uh, he Sabrina the teenage witch helps him put a like by putting a curse on or like putting a tricking I don't know using magic so that whenever um, Josie and the Pussycats hear their own music they um, fall in love with Jughead. And they don't even know who Jughead is. They're like, I don't know why, but I need to find Jughead Jones. And they're like, who is that? I don't know, but me too, which was pretty funny. Yeah. So it's like wacky antics Jughead, but it wasn't that kind of, it wasn't funny. It was like, like vaguely amusing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it's like both Chip Zdarsky and Ryan North are very like gag heavy and they have very specific voices. Like, you know, you're reading a Chip book or you know, you're reading a Ryan North book. So this kind of doesn't have that which I kind of almost like. Right. Um, but it is it is less straight-up gag-heavy, which is interesting because it's not as if, like, Mark Wade can write gags. We've seen him write straight-up, like, you know, short two-panel gags in... Um, Archie. In Archie. And I think that there are some funny moments in this. Like, I really like the um, three-panel sort of uh, little mini-story about Archie failing to buy Veronica the right merch that she wants from the, <laughs> um, from the gig and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, it's maybe not the funniest Jughead book of all time. I also like Dilbert being on um, Moose's shoulders at the concert. That was cute. Yeah. So, so that, like, good side gags by and now we've And now we've got every single girl who went to the concert um, falling in love with Jughead when they start playing the, their, one of their songs. Uh, so the next issue is going to be him on the run from every girl in Riverdale. It is pretty, like, they have focused quite a lot considering they've they've um, re-established Jughead as an asexual character. It's kind of interesting that so many of the story arcs in the Jughead comic are, like, romance-based about yeah. him kind of, like... Yeah. I mean, not that, not that... Fuck, I don't know. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the right person and I don't know enough about it, but, I, like, it's not as if being asexual means that you can't have romance. Um, so maybe that's part of it, but... It's sort of... Well, he does, it's he's, he's not He's really, not interested in no. romance, is the main point. He's just surrounded by it. Yeah. And because, and you know, at, at its heart, Archie is a relationships, you know, a romance comic, right? Yeah. Gags and romance. Yeah. Yeah, he's America's favourite teen. Those are all of our reviews for the comics that came out last week, which leads <sighs> us to review one of uh, Siobhan's favourite genres of book, and that is <laughs> it's manga. It's not a genre. What is it, then? What is it? It's a medium. It's a medium of you book. silly fella. Medium of book. Uh, I think that's one of the things that a lot of the time people think about um, manga in the West is that it's it's all... It's a flavour. Yeah. <laughs> But that it's all it's all one note. Like people will like say like manga like manga esque art, and I understand what they mean. But a lot like it's misleading because there's such a wide variety of art styles and um, genres. Like everything that you could think of exists in manga form. Manga is just like comics. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's another another country's you know comic art form. Exactly. I'm sorry 100%. for calling a genre. I would do that so I would rally up. Good classic. Um. 
but so this is one that you read last week and then let me your copy off because we already sold out of it at King's Comics, which is extremely lovely to hear. And I've kind of been talking about it on uh, on online, saying how much I enjoyed it. My Brother's Husband is its name, uh, mm-hmm. and it's by an art, a writer and artist called Gengaro Tagami. Who is most, um, he is most known as a um, writer of... Don't, uh, don't sell him short. He is Japan's number one gay erotica artist. And you can tell why. Even in this like very sort of... Uh, sweet, quiet, really non-sexual book. There are some hot, beefy dudes, guys. If you like hot, beefy dudes. Who are in the shower. Yeah. For a long period of of time. (laughs) Lots of people have like really deep, intense thoughts in the shower, which I approve of 100%. Um, So this, uh, at its core, this is actually an ongoing serialized book Mm -hmm. which comes out in a a paper in Japan. um, Mm -hmm. And is uh, so I'm very excited. There's going to be more volumes of this. This is the first volume I'm going to be reviewing. Um, But it's basically at the start of it... um, you have a, a single father and living with his daughter who um, and one day they get a knock on the door and it is a uh, a, a big uh, beefy white American uh, sorry Canadian mm-hmm. guy um, who uh, who's visiting Tokyo um, and claims to be the husband of his of the the man's brother who's now dead yes um, and so in in the, in the space of like minutes his daughter learns that his father had a brother. She has an uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, a twin had, brother. A twin brother, that's right. Her uncle was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, she learns what homosexuality is. She mm-hmm. learns that two brothers can marry. She learns that her uncle was married. No, two brothers can't marry. Sorry, two, un- <laughs> two wait, men can marry. Wait, what's homosexuality then? No, sorry. Um, it's basically, she, what I'm getting at is she learns a lot of crazy things. And her, her it, it, we have uh, her, her, you know, this is a big kind of, discussion of of acceptance of homosexuality in Mm -hmm. Japan and why gay culture is seen as somewhat a lot more taboo than the Western world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you you see like the very conservative father trying to kind of mask certain elements of it from his daughter's eyes, but she sees it in such a different, more wholesome and accepting way than him that she actually teaches him a thing or two of how he should deal with his thoughts and emotions on it. And, uh, through talking with is, is it Mike? Is it the, the guy? Yeah. Mike, the the his brother's husband. Um, he you know learns a lot of lot of he he thought that he was open and accepting when his brother came out to him when they were younger, but he learns that maybe he could have been a lot more so. And there are a lot of moments, and I you know classic Levin's fucking fumbled my way through suggesting this last week when I started talking about this, but like you know. I like to think of myself as an incredibly hmm. accepting dude, and and this book was able to kind of remind me of moments like when friends have come out to me where like, yeah, I was accepting, but I also like didn't believe them at first. And like, you know, like things like, you know, like there's moments where like you could have been a much better person to someone who's really, you know, letting you see the, the realest version of themselves that they ever have in in, in their life before. Um, I thought that it was, this was a a really, really quiet and, but powerful book. Absolutely. And there's some really, um, like it's really it's it's so sweet seeing um, everything through the daughter's eyes, and there's so much in this about families, you know, like at at its core, like definitely it's about um, acceptance of homosexuality, and I think that makes some really good points of like, you know, people all the time code uh, gay people as being like purely sexual beings, mm. and this is sort of as he gets to know Mike just as a person, he's like, oh, he's just a guy, he's not going to try and like have sex with me all the time. He's not always having sex. He's not constantly, you know, like it's... And neither was his brother. Like yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but also, like, because we, we discover in this book, there's the assumption that um, 
Yaichi's wife and his daughter's mother has passed away. And then we realize that they're just divorced. And so it's kind of also this really interesting, like as Mike becomes more of a part of the family and we see the interaction, the relationship between the divorced parents, it's this really interesting look at like contemporary families and how things we, you know, we still tend to think of a family as this very like 1950s nuclear, you know, mum, dad, kids, grandparents, but there's, there's a whole range of different families out there and it doesn't make that less valid and good Lord, Gengoro Tagami is such a brilliant artist. Yeah. If you look in the back, there's some um, layouts and sketch pages, and they are some they are some insanely clean pencils. Like I don't know which go over this was um, for him, but like holy moly, what a talented artist! Well, this this, this comes out quite regularly in Japan, mm. like the, the you know little serialized um, chapters of this of this ongoing series. So like I, I think he, he is working on quite a quick deadline. Plus, he has a world of gay erotic comics that he like you know is mm. constantly updating as well so um definitely look them up if you uh really want to see a very different um like, you know <laughs> it's like same like same figures yeah but they're doing drastically different things than they're than not he's doing really in into book. tying dudes up yeah he's into some like i, I like i, I kind of i thought i would know i was like ready to see what he he, he was capable of doing but it's like it's kind of like borderline gore <laughs> as well <laughs> some of it's pretty extreme there was um i was really jealous in the states um I think it was like opening ceremony. One of those sort of really cool clothing brands produced a whole range of like towels and t-shirts with all big beefy like gay figures Sick. on them. And I really wanted one. And they're all but I missed his, out. his art. Yeah, they were oh, all, wow, it was all his art. And they were so, so good. But like this is like, you know, even though he has those ties, this is what's so compelling about this. Just the story behind this book is mm. that like, you know, this is absolutely like a, a perfect all ages book. Absolutely. That, that you could that you could give to a, a tween, mm. um, especially someone that, you know, might be struggling or might know someone who's come out to them or, or if you just want someone to have like a, someone young in your life to have a, a really great kind of guide to acceptance. This yeah. is perfect. It really is. And there's some like, you know, as the book goes on, you see sort of um, Yachi dealing with it and he, he becomes so much more accepting and so much more open. And then when it becomes more personal to him, it's like, like there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this volume where it's all like it becomes even though it happens just in a dream it sort of crosses a line into his personal life and all of a sudden he's like oh maybe i'm less okay with it than i thought i was yeah Um, this is not so much a spoiler i think you know it is basically what it is is it's like you know yeah you're you're okay with you know a friend or or your, your, Mm. your your brother's husband being gay but what if your own daughter grew, yes. um, grew up or sorry is, is gay yeah. are you okay with that can you accept that so that's all i guess what the next chapter is going to be be kind of him confronting those thoughts um which i think is really really cool and i, I mean I, I love i think i i've realized that my favorite kind of mangas are the kind of slice of life as mm. kind of you know living mm-hmm. kind of mangas as opposed to the you know you're, you're more stereotypical futuristic or um you know robots or or then, like you know, your horror kind of stuff, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. kind of what I'm most familiar with from the from the genre, from the <laughs> uh, the art form. Uh, but um, uh, you let me a book a while, years ago called Drops of God, which is yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a manga about um, wine, wine basically, wine and, tasting, and uh, and it's also about family and acceptance as well, but mm. through through different means. Um, and 
in that book, characters have these massive revelations where it like zooms in closely on their face as they drink a, as they drink a wine, and and he, and he notices all the notes, and then it, it transports it's like cherry blossoms in. behind him. Yeah, it's exactly. all that kind of really cliched stuff that you. And they expect. even did that in the uh, in the Sherlock manga that we've read. Yeah, on, where where it'll zoom in as he has like a, a, a you know a realization mm. of either he, him he or Watson realize you know what's going on. And in this, they have those zoom in moments, but it's him like dealing with like moments of acceptance and mm. like him working things out in his head via his daughter's thoughts. And I just, yeah, it was amazing. I just, this was, I started this on a bus on the way home from your house, actually, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I read it on the way home from somewhere and, uh, Man, I just, I, just, I, I read, I read it all so fast. Yeah. It was so good. Like, yeah, I, I read this really quickly in, in one sitting, and this is, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to reorder and buy a copy to have on my shelf because I think it'll, with repeated readings, you know, offer up so much more. Yeah, and we, one of our uh, Patreon goals was that we we're going to record a video um, cool. of the our favorite comics of each month. Oh, cool. Um, and I think this would absolutely feature in my my top five comics of, uh, of that I've read so far this month. Yeah, Amazing absolutely. Over, but it's definitely probably my favorite book that I've read this year. I don't know if I could say that, but it's definitely up there. It's really brilliant. Yep, he's brilliant, stuff. guys. So please, if you are if you are looking for a, an entry level manga, if you want to read something Japanese, or if you just want to read an incredibly good book, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have you know uh, an element of, of of the characters in this story in your life, um, absolutely, you should check out My Brother's Husband, Volume One, by Gengaro Tagame. Yep, uh, it's an excellent book. It's available through Pantheon. Yep, Pantheon Press. So it's, pretty- it's a really beautifully printed and bound copy. Yeah. Go check it out. It's an excellent package um, and uh, it comes with uh, four thumbs up from Serious Issues. Absolutely. Um, We mentioned our Patreon. If you would like to support the show in some way, like uh, 20-ish people have so far in just a week, which is very exciting. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues podcast is where you can go. There's a whole bunch of fun rewards and goals that we're trying to meet so we can create more content for you to listen and watch. so, uh, yeah, please, patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. And, and, of course, you can find us at facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or join our group and talk comics about us all day long. Uh, facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, we're also on Twitter mm-hmm. at Serious underscore underscore Issues. Siobhan is there as well, Siobhan CBG. I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, on Instagram and Twitter. Come and find us. Come talk about comics with us. And we'll see you next week. That'd be lovely. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.